Rabbi, here's a question. Why is the firstborn not always the first choice? You mean, why does Yaakov entrust Binyamin with Yehuda and not Reuven? Exactly. Great thought, Biker. What makes Yehuda trustworthy is he submits his entire being to responsibility. And because of his self-negation, he... Wait, 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 wait a second. What's self what? Self-negation. The denial of self. Yehuda's self-negation begins our connection to David, whose greatness is also based on that. A ring, a promise, romance. <laughs> it's never dull with a biker. And the rabbi, coming right up. Okay, okay, look, I may have had a couple of issues with you in the past, but come on, you can trust me now? Hop on board. It's time for another trip with the biker and the rabbi. Today on The Biker and the Rabbi, we explore part two in our series about Yehuda and David and what can be learned from studying their life and challenges. And now, here's the biker. Welcome back. I'm Biker. May I interrupt? No. Today, we continue with the lives of Yehuda and David. You're not going to be successful unless you include me. I deserve a second chance. Second? Okay, maybe third, fourth. Okay, I'm running out of fingers. My point exactly. Okay, for those of you who have not met, let me introduce ego again. Ego is what we listen to way too often. You're hurting my feelings. Good. Because you're a big part of this story. I am? Are you ever. This time, we examine how the ego is responsible for allowing failure into our world. And how the story of Yehuda and Ruvain helps explain just how ego can destroy your chances for success. <laughs> yep, okay, I'm here. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> you mentioned my name. <laughs> failure? That's me. <laughs> I didn't invite you to this podcast. Uh, nope, nope, nope. You're right. Nope, you didn't. <laughs> he did. He who? Ego? Uh, I have no idea who this is. Of course you do. <laughs> I'm failure. Don't you remember? We're buddies, pals. <laughs> <laughs> He's just, uh, what I mean is, um, yeah, I said he could tag along. Well, it's good timing. Because that's what we're going to explore just a little deeper. Paying less attention to ego can lead you to the truth a lot faster and further from distractions that allow failure to enter the picture. I'm ready for my close-up. Yep, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. There's no room for failure when the power of ego negation takes over. Oh. Only positive things can happen when ego gets put aside. And that's where we're going today. Hey, look, I'm really just a harmless little fuzzball. Wanna try that one again? No. Good. Then pack up and take your buddy failure along with you. There's no room for you guys on this trip. How about we discuss it over a cup of coffee? Nope. Okay, let me try this another way. You don't think you can ignore me, do you? Don't want to. But as we said before, you can't be the lead dog. Just part of the pack. That's what you think. Come on, failure. We can find someone else to appreciate how great we are. Stick around. This is about to get interesting. So stop what you're doing. It wouldn't hurt you to listen a little. Welcome back to the Biker and the Rabbi. So, here's a puzzler. How does putting your ego in its place help you avoid failure? 
Well, you know, it's not that simple, but it's a fascinating idea. Isn't it, Rabbi Halpern? Fascinating, yes, and difficult. Okay, so let's stick with the fascinating part for one. We all suffer letting our ego get uh, a bit ahead of us at times. But what does it mean that placing your ego at the back of the bus helps us avoid failure? Well, this is exactly what is happening between Yaakov and Reuven. But, but, but I thought we're moving from Yehuda to David. We'll get to them in their time. But now we, we have an important concept to discuss, and that means Yaakov and Reuven. Rabbi. I'm going to need a scorecard by the time you get done introducing all these characters. Ruvain is Yaakov's oldest son, the one who should be the leader, but he's proven to be a little, well, headstrong at times. So Yaakov wasn't totally convinced of his leadership, like 100%? Let's say it was more in the 90% bracket. Which then leaves the door open for Yehuda. What we're about to discuss is what helped make Yehuda the leader of the brothers at this time. It's the fact that he would never let his own ego trip him up. We all do that from time to time. Too much, really. We are constantly letting our ego decide things that it shouldn't. That leads to failure. Yehuda had the kind of understanding of self that helped him avoid all of this. How? Well, let's go back to our present situation. Yosef, now viceroy of Egypt and second most powerful man in the most powerful country at the time, mm-hmm. is forcing the brothers to bring Benjamin down to Egypt. To test his brothers. And the brothers know what that means. And it's not good. Yaakov already thinks he's lost Yosef, and now they're about to ask him if they could take Binyamin as well, while offering no guarantees of his safe return. Binyamin is Yaakov's youngest child, the one whom Rachel died giving birth to. There's a lot at stake here. Mm-hmm. So let's remember, Reuven is the firstborn and should bear the responsibility of asking to bring Benjamin to Egypt, but instead it falls to Yehuda. And this brings out a special trait of his, responsibility as the foundation for leadership. What makes Yehuda trustworthy is he becomes the vessel to succeed in the mission he's entrusted with. Mm. Why? Because he humbles himself so powerfully. Uh. Thus, Yaakov entrusts Benjamin with Yehuda and not moving. Pretty powerful argument, wouldn't you say? Mm. I'm not convinced. I'm confused. Okay, let's take a short break, and let me see if I can make this a little more clear for you. I hate when we do this, but please come back, won't you? Okay, we're back. And Rabbi, please, can we dissect this a little bit more? Of course, Spiker. Let's take a step back. Yehuda's going to be the one to deal with Yaakov and tells him they need to bring Benjamin to Egypt. Now, why is Yaakov buying this when it should come from his firstborn? Yaakov can't bring himself to trust Ruvain, as he's worried that Ruvain will mix himself into the picture. But he is in the picture. And so are the soldiers who stormed the beach in Normandy. Uh, Rabbi, you living in a time machine or something? Maybe, but seriously, it's the same principle at play. And that is? When the stakes are extremely high, the only path to success is to focus 100% on the task at hand and entirely remove oneself from the picture. And Ruvain, he did the opposite. He used his own children's guarantees for Binyamin's return. That made him more enmeshed. Yes, he allowed his judgment to be clouded and thus failed to bring his entire self to bear on the problems that the Egyptians would surely throw their way. Oh, so he was more prone to like 
ego get in the way? Yes, under fire, fears of failure, even legitimate ones, will hinder one's ability to focus everything they've got on success. But, Rabbi, we're all guilty of that. Why are we holding Ruvain to the fire so harshly? We're not judging Ruvain, but we can learn from Yaakov's choice of a leader. Gotcha. So when you're under fire, you better have access to all your strength and focus. Yehuda could approach decisions like this as uh, an empty vessel. His ego really meant nothing to him. I resent that. Who is that? Don't worry about him. Let's get back to Yehuda. As I was saying, he was totally focused with no ego to interrupt his thought process. But where does all this come together? Yehuda, with no self in the picture, is able to decide exactly when to push Yaakov to part with Binyamin. He isn't rash. So, he's showing the logic of the move instead of the emotion attached to it. Precisely. He has no need to act if it won't be 100% useful. And so he waits Uh, patiently mm -hmm. for the perfect opportunity. And he gets one when the food supplies run dry. But how did that open Yaakov to trust Yehuda over his firstborn? With that kind of approach and logic, Yaakov instinctively knew Binyamin was going to be in good hands. Remember, Yaakov isn't your garden variety, run-of-the-mill person either. So, Yehuda makes himself an empty vessel. He puts his ego away, and instead channels his inner strength. That means failure is not an option. And the reason is simple, because now there is no fear of failure. Hmm. Without charging ahead blindly, by waiting for just the right moment, Yehuda shows the patience that is necessary for success and leadership. But impulsiveness is needed at times, too. But not here. This is why this lesson is just so important to learn. Okay, I'm ready. Because he negates his ego, Yehuda can be clear on what is needed for success. When ego drives your decisions, you cannot be clear. You cannot channel your most important instincts. So you're saying being clear-minded prevents failure. Your ego allows failure to tag along because you're thinking and responding based on what's best for you, not the situation. That leads to failure because the situation may demand a more removed approach. How does that affect us now, here? It could happen in any given life situation. Changing jobs, being confronted at work, or in a life situation. Dealing with relatives and friends who are argumentative and difficult. So parking your ego could make a difference in outcomes every day. Once you understand what Yehuda did, it makes the difference in so many situations that could go badly for you. But Yehuda was a great man, Rabbi. Each and every person is born with the potential for greatness. Maybe not biblical greatness, but by not allowing ego to lead, by allowing yourself as Yehuda did, to be guided by your inner strength instead, you will find success much easier to achieve. And that's going to lead us right into David's life, right? Yes, Baker. David is about to make his appearance. You want to sum things up for us? Sure. Who would you want around to take responsibility in a crisis? Someone who's going to panic, someone who's going to think about how they're going to look, or someone who's going to focus purely on the task at hand. What is needed, what is not needed, how they look is irrelevant. That's the person who will take every ounce of energy they have, focus it on the problem at hand, and achieve success. They'll handle it well. That is what Egonogation, humility, David, and Yehuda like living is about. Thanks for being here today. I'll get your coat. It's time to go. Okay, 
That about wraps up another podcast. It's great to have you with us. And we'd like to request two things from you. First, if you like these, please pass them along to friends and anyone you feel might enjoy the content. Second, if you have questions you'd like answered or just want to learn more, reach out to our recorded line at 303-820-2855. As always, a huge thanks to the Denver Colel for their support and the access to their resources. If you wish to support them in any way, visit their website at denvercolel.org. Colel spelled K-O-L-L-E-L. On our next podcast, we'll tackle the next aspect of the Yehuda David connection and how David's heart dominates his life and relationship to God and how that life lesson really relates to you in your life. Please join us. I'm Biker for Rabbi Halpern. Thank you and God bless. <laughs>